Let's get sweaty. Hello and welcome to the Shenmue Dojo Show. I am James Brown, and as always, I'm joined by Megan, the superfan, Matthew Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) You think I overdid that? (laughs) Maybe a tad. Uh, How's it going, man? All right? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. What have you been up to? Been playing anything? Watching anything? Not a huge amount. I mean, I've been watching Cobra Kai, catching up on that. Bloody good. Um, What about you? I am halfway through season three at the moment. Okay. So, and I know season five's due out in the next like few weeks. So I'm going to try and get what I can in before I go to Florida mm-hmm. and then see what's what when I come back. And I've been playing the Turtles collection, which came out this week. And Ooh. it's bloody good. Cowabunga collection, yeah. Oh, oh yes. It's on my radar. I haven't picked it up yet. I've been playing a lot, a lot of Ghostwire Tokyo, which, yeah, was Kind of like recommended. Um, I know Ezra Crabbe was going on about it quite a lot, showing images on Twitter and stuff. And it kind of like it's a game that passed me by. I know it's, it seems like it's passed a lot of people by mm. Ghostwire Tokyo, but I gave it a chance. Good recommendation there. And honestly, mate, it's fucking amazing. It's, it's see, when I wa- was watching a trailer of like, say, the combat, I was a little bit put off. It looked like maybe I wasn't too keen on the first person aspect and the combat just looked a little bit boring Mm. it it feels so much better once you're playing the game and the environments if you're into japan anyway and you know tokyo area this is like supposedly set in shibuya but it's it's basically a lot of tokyo as well included in there and these bits and pieces that you might recognize if you've actually been there and i just think they've just done an amazing job of the world the atmosphere it's kind of like, I don't know if you don't know the story, but it's like everyone's dead, kind of. Um, okay. And there's just spirits roaming around, and um, it's just, it surprised me, really. And it's not just the gameplay. There's, well, there's, there's, there's just a ton of different elements to it. Like, I know you like Spider-Man, Matt. There's like rooftop to rooftop, like traversal, and it's just unexpected how, how good it is. <laughs> And like just going underground in the in the subway sections and in little houses, little cottages. There's like areas that are like quite rural looking um, and like very villagey and you know very Shemu esque Sakuraoka style and temples and Tory gates. And I'm just having a lot of fun and just looking at the visuals at the same time. It's quite spectacular, really. I see it, re- it reviewed well. Back when it came out, I saw quite a few reviews on it, and I, it's one of those games that I thought I'll see and maybe pick it up down the line. But there's recommendations going around everywhere about it. I'll have to pick it up and give give it my two cents. If anyone else is out there that's like skipped over it, please try it out because I think I think you'll really appreciate it, it's especially like our kind of community with you know a big emphasis on Japanese culture and stuff. And one of the the big aspects that I, I've been really appreciating is there's like loads of little collectibles dotted around. I think actually there's like 130 or something. Oh, wow. But as you pick them up, 
there's it's crazy there's like a whole history piece per item so you'll be picking up things like i've, I've actually gone out my way and bought a daruma which is like this little <laughs> it's like a little pot thing i think it's like paper mache mm. but it comes with like unpainted eyes and you're supposed to paint the right eye make a wish and then when it comes true paint the the left eye basically and it just sits in your room and there's different colors for like ones for like health wealth um luck security mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I picked up a red one and a yellow one i believe <laughs> nice yeah it's just it's just cool reading like a lot of japanese history and culture and um highly recommend that game Okay, so today's show is going to be about the reception surrounding all three Shemu games. We're going to be taking a look at the anticipation, the reviews, and the feelings of fans and journalists throughout the saga so far. But, Matt, before we get into that, we're going to jump into some news. So, I want you to tell us a little bit about this recent Warner Discovery slash Toonami. Um, like the positives, I know we had a bit of a negative-y sort of one where, you know, the merger happened and yeah. Shemu, the animation was kind of in doubt, but now... We've got some positive news to share, right? Yeah, we do. Um, so long story short um, is there was an interview or article popped out of Game Rant uh, last weekend or just before last weekend, basically talking about this Warner Brothers Discovery merger where if you've seen the news, a lot of content from Warner Brothers Discovery, HBO, etc. has been cut. I think of Batgirl, which was essentially a film ready to go never going to be released ever again you know it's it's those sorts of things they've cut a lot of stuff lost a lot of money a lot of money's gone into this merger however when this all happened we all assumed that everything was under risk but this is not the case anymore in that it's been confirmed through several sources now that um adult swim and the tsunami block are not going to be touched by this merger whatsoever things will be carrying on as normal which is amazing news for the anime because we know that they want to do the second season. And hopefully this sort of opens the door to those conversations starting, which is what we all want at the end of the day. To add to that, Jason DeMarco did an Ask Me Anything on Twitter, not just a couple of nights ago, if I remember rightly. And somebody asked a question about the Crunchyroll originals and whether they, with them being taken over by Sony, are now owned by Sony. And he said, yes, they are. So something like Shenmue, the animation season one, and this might extend to season two. I, I don't know what the, the terms of the deal were or were not. They might have to negotiate with Sony to get a season two off the ground, as well as Sega and all the other parties that are involved. So it's definitely positive news by, by all stretches, because it means now I think they can sort of relax and start thinking towards future content. And we know Jason DeMarco is massively keen on getting a second season out there. And he said it'd be greenlit already if this merger hadn't happened. So we might be in a position sort of behind the scenes where those discussions are at least starting to happen. That can only be a good thing. That would be amazing. And do you have any idea if this kind of means anything for like a Blu-ray? Is like does Sony's involvement to this more likely or less likely to have a Blu-ray now? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know that we were talking in the chat in our staff chat and Spags mentioned that a lot of the Crunchyroll originals hadn't had their Blu-ray releases yet. So whether that's come into it and they're they're sort of sort, sorting out separately or having to deal with Sega as well because Sega hold merchandise right for the anime. As I say, it, you'd be mad not to with mm-hmm. with Shenmue. You do a collector's edition box like limited run of a thousand or something, they'd be gone in an instant. 
yeah alongside like a standard release it's just like printing money it'd be it'd be mad but i know it's still running in japan at the moment it's towards the end of its run on one of the tv networks over there i can't remember who it was so they might be saving things like that towards the holiday season possibly mm. i don't i don't know but they need to do one it'd be it'd be mad if they didn't put it that way yeah good stuff well that's good news anyway at least potentially positive we can take from that i suppose yeah definitely right then moving on Matt. air twister if anyone's out there has downloaded it playing it they've got an apple device there is a new update you can download now so this is version 110 basically includes a brand new island which is available on the adventure map with new game modes outfits and more to unlock there's bonus stars now awarded for clearing the main game or the arcade mode. I've actually tested this myself and it gave me 500 stars. Wow. So if you were curious, yeah, it's a big chunk to be honest, but obviously you've got to clear the game that's like all 12 stages. So mm-hmm. until you reach that kind of point, I suppose the, the progress is quite slow, but keep at it and you get a big boost there at the end. And there's some other minor bug fixes, which I'm not quite sure what they were. I don't know if they ever fixed that apple tv thing or what or you know maybe that's fixed now i don't know. i haven't even had a chance to test it I, I i really should i just haven't got around you to should test it. it now just so we know <laughs> yeah just test it out and then yeah if it works great because i'd like to because i'd mm-hmm. like to be able to save my bloody progress but never mind yeah for sure so get that updated and we've got a slight correction on the air twister soundtrack i think we were suggesting it was out now yeah. which it kind of is actually digitally but physically i think it was play asia had the date on that we mentioned was, but actually yeah. i don't know if play asia's actually updated that or what but we've we've actually pre-ordered it from a different site right Matt? yeah cd japan we're getting ours japan, from right. and i think it's due to ship towards the end of september from what i read i mean that might change as well that's going to mm-hmm. be a rare item i think you know that that soundtrack a physical cd of it it's going to be a yeah. rare one yeah, I mean, I'd hope people would buy it, but I've got a feeling like not too many people are, if that makes sense. So, mm. like you say, it could end up being quite a rare soundtrack, especially if the game eventually does come to consoles or PC or whatever in the future. And I don't know, maybe they'd still be selling the soundtracks. Maybe. So people can get a hold of it, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, just in case you weren't aware, we'll put the, the link for that pre-order in the description if you're interested. One thing I want to mention, Matt, is this 11-part series of Meow Village posts on phantomriverstone.com. I don't know if he's doing more than 11. This is 11 as we speak, (laughs) with parts 8, 9, and 10 in particular being amazing. They give a fantastic mental picture of how Meow Village, this area, would have been designed story-wise, how it would have fit into the overall Shemu 2 storyline. I mean, this is insane stuff, really. This is on the back of the the Game Jam demo that we, we spoke about a while back. Basically, what he's done, Switch has gone into the data on the disc, the subtitle data, for certain characters that would be potentially evolved in the Meow Village area, like that little boy with the duck stand, etc. And basically, there's a, a breadth of leftover dialogue between Rio and these said side characters that is it's just insane, really. As you're reading the, the these blog posts, you can you can picture yeah. how that plays out in the game and you know I'm, I'm pretty sure there's more than enough information there to perhaps patch together like a fan mod or 
you know, at least a little Kitchen Brothers music video, Matt. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they're working on something like that, knowing Joe and George, quite honestly. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's mad. It's it's as close as we'll get, I think, to actually playing it, and which is a testament to the the detail that Switch puts into this. And we know his posts and blogs are, are highly researched and very well detailed, anyway. But for something like Mal Village, which is a bit of one of the holy grails in Shenmue preservation if you want to call it that it's like that uh the saturn build and um there's some other bits as well knocking about that i can't remember right now but that is something that i might mention in a bit the the little forest (laughs) yes oh the forest demo yes of course there you go so that's the other one and to have this real detail around the story the interactions with the characters what everything looked like how it fitted together within the story of Shenmue 2. It's absolutely mad. And it is like you can imagine it when you read it, playing it and playing it in your head. Right, Rhea goes off to here, goes off to here, gets on the bike. So well put together by Switch. And I mean, we're so lucky that we managed to get hold of the beta in the first place and got all this out there. It's it's insane, absolutely insane. And Switch has done a cracking job. You need to read it, guys. It's awesome. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description below. And I wish we could play it. I mean, maybe one day we'll find maybe. a build that's got it on there. I'd, I'd love to actually see it for real. So briefly mentioned Kitchen Brothers there. Obviously interviewed them in the past, Matt. But speaking about other fan music composers, you've got another new interview with one available basically yep. to listen to right now Matt. yep yep so i did a interview god it was a few weeks back now god the weeks have merged together in september now <laughs> i know it's absolutely mad uh this was recorded in in august uh andy hughes who is a singer songwriter guitarist um a sort of a multi-instrument person as well he's quite talented in that regard did a shenmue album called samurai boy back in 2015 and i got him on the show to talk a little bit about um that shenmue and sort of his music and how it all sort of came together really so that's all on on our youtube channel available now for you to have a listen to and in your podcast feeds of course yes good stuff right so the other little thing i'll mention that we've done matt the little one hour video Kind of in response to a few tweets from that RGT85 guy. I think he's a popular YouTuber mm. and, you know, on a certain level of Shemu fan. But these tweets, they kind of only pose to trigger a portion of the community. I mean, if you, do you know the tweet off by art by now, Matt? Oh, bloody hell. He turned around. I can't remember <laughs> word for word. Basically said, the Shenmue story needs to be finished in one hour anime where Rio and Landy face off. Lol. And he wants yeah. to be a producer, apparently. This isn't hard. <laughs> yeah. He said. So, like I say, triggered a few people. Obviously, we know there's so much depth to the Shenmue saga. So we decided to kind of go back through all three games, detailing bits of the story there, and recorded a pretty cool video, actually, that, again, I'll link below. Matt will probably show a little bit of footage of, although yeah, that's definitely. you know just showing a bit of footage of me and Matt talking, which I don't know if that'd be... <laughs> That'll work no, well. Just thinking about that video, I mean, God, I mean, the amount of content that we talked, we, we did this video for, it was an hour, basically, give or take a few minutes, and we could have gone on for four or five hours about some of this story content. Yeah, for and, sure. And 
I don't know whether it's a deliberate ploy to sort of engage people because I know YouTubers try that sort of thing to trigger people mm. or whether it's his genuine opinion. I don't know. Um, but he is clearly a Shenmue fan on, on a certain level anyway because I watched his video and the way he talks about Shenmue and some of the elements of it, only a fan would talk about Shenmue in that regard, if that makes sense. So I think... Yeah, his video wasn't too bad. No, it's just it's, it's a little bit disappointing, I think, where people jump on that oh it's just rio versus landy stuff whereas actually you don't have to do very much scrape the surface and there's so much more to it and the video i'm quite proud of i mean Mm, me too man i think you did a good job we we, i mean we and you were going back and forth for a few days over it i must have done about four or five drafts of it before it came out but the final product is probably the best video i've ever put together quite frankly honestly i'd say so i think pick pick the right footage the edits you can't. You don't even notice. <laughs> I, I didn't even need to say that actually, because no one, no one would ever have known. I think we did a stellar job there. Actually, it's a good video to do as well, and actually, it serves a purpose wider a little bit. In that, I don't think there's any. And I'm probably sounding arrogant here, but I don't mean to be. There's nothing that I've seen on YouTube where there's mm. anything that encompasses all three games' story. So we've condensed it down into an hour. Obviously, there's considerably more than that, but people now have access if they're new to the series or wanting to find out a bit more or a Shenmue 4 gets announced and they want to dive in straight away on a Shenmue 4 then there's a video out there they can watch and go ah this is how it all happened it's an hour's video so whether they want to take that time and do it I don't know but Mm -hmm. there is something out there now yeah and some interesting points like what's in our heads right now about questions that we want answered and Mm. what we hope to see in the future so yeah I reckon it's could stand the test of time a little bit besides the rgt response kind of thing you know it's yeah a good video in its own right so check that out guys and i was thinking actually i might just release the audio of the video as a bit of a bonus podcast in your feed not like a full episode just just there if anyone wants to listen to that they might not have seen the video yet and the final piece of news i will mention is something that's popped up today actually the guy that does the shemu 2 differences if you've seen his tweets on well, on Twitter, <laughs> um, he's set up a new website. Well, I'd, actually, I don't think it's a new website, but he's he's kind of like rebranded it, and he's going to feature obviously Shenmue Two different stuff, but he's named it Shenmue Park, and it's basically describing interesting finds in the Shenmue series. I assume like Shenmue One, Two, and Three. I'm not sure if you like your attention to detail. You know, it's well worth a follow. We'll put his his little profile below. You can give it a follow and see what sort of content he's going to be releasing. The first one he's done today is a little tweet about how the marketing signs, like banners on skyscrapers in Hong Kong, disappear at night, which I never even realized. I didn't so, realize that. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. So obviously they've got two different textures and yeah. the, night, the nighttime one didn't have the the advert signs on <laughs> so yeah very good very cool interested to see what else he's found or he's, he's in the process of finding so give that a go good stuff matt anything else i think we covered it no i think news wise we're we're all newsed out so knowing our luck what will happen is we'll release this podcast and then it'll all be dated out by something else that random yeah, comes shemmy out every out bloody store. time <laughs> if they want to do that fine yeah definitely Okay, let's get on with the show then. We're going to go straight into the featured discussion.
Okay, welcome back guys, that piece of music you just heard was a special arrangement of one of my favourite Shenmue tracks, Everlasting World, played as part of the intro to the Project Berkeley demo, which is where we're going to start, Matt. So, Project Berkeley is obviously a bonus disc included with the Japanese version of Virtua Fighter 3TB for the Sega Dreamcast. Basically, it's like a half an hour introduction to what would ultimately become Shenmue. It features Yu Suzuki discussing how he got to this point in his career, quite a nice history piece actually and all of the footage shown goes down in Shenmue folklore not just for the CD trailer itself which you know on its own is a separate piece of Shenmue media really you know especially in 2022 mm. watching that there's a lot of shit that happens um, that we haven't even seen yet but you've also got concept art he shows character designs for characters we still haven't even seen in the series which is crazy and the actual room that Yu Suzuki's recording in is amazing because you've got character busts in the background yes. you know this is part of the reason why when these busts hit Shemu 3's kickstarter for like two and a half k each they were kind of all snapped up pretty pretty much straight away yeah man bloody hell you got there's a piece of gaming history right there isn't there it's just insane and you know and seeing those busts and then those were the busts that were for sale <laughs> as part Mad. of the Shemu 3 thing it's just it's just crazy that is like if you know your Shemu history that's that's a real big history piece. So, as we know, a lot of marketing went into Shenmue for the Dreamcast, and this disc was probably the first signs of that coming to fruition. You've got the Earth and Sea battle music playing in the background alongside this 30-minute documentary on Yu Suzuki's career and what was going to come from Shenmue. Things were really starting to hype up. Of course, over here in the West, we never got this disc. I'm not even quite sure myself when my first introduction to this disc wasp i'm sure it was probably after i played shenmue i, I don't know if that mm. is that the same for you matt yeah absolutely i didn't come across it until i think probably on the dojo somewhere many many years ago and then that was probably mm. in letterbox format because obviously you could only watch things in sort of two pixels back then as well but yeah or maybe ebay when i first started getting into ebay which would probably mm. be like mid 2000s I might have seen like, oh, you know, what's this disc included with Virtua Fighter 3TB and picked that up. I don't know. I, I, I can't remember, I remember, to be honest. I remember buying my Virtua Fighter Japanese edition for the Project Berkeley disc. I was dro I was on a bus home and I saw it on eBay for eight quid. Oh, nice. Like, sold. <laughs> yeah, I still think it's relatively cheap, actually, that one. I think that was quite a common, mm. common game when it was released. I think it was a, re a launch title, I assume. At least it was for us. So ultimately, it's quite hard to judge the anticipation of Shenmue at this point. But what this footage did actually help with was allowing, you know, your journalists, magazines to kind of start showing some footage and sort of describing the things that Yusuke was saying to kind of create an idea for what you could expect from Shenmue. And that fact alone, especially over here in the West, was massive for introducing us all to the world of Shenmue prior to its release, even in Japan in, in 1999. You know, we were seeing this sort of footage and stuff i feel like i remember seeing it as early as say the first the well the final couple of official sega saturn magazines even mm, quite possibly you know, I, I, I can vividly remember the majority of the content and those last couple of issues was was like literally it could have been branded as a, a dreamcast magazine back then because i think they, they just run the saturn pot dry and they were just kind of making magazines before it converted into the official Dreamcast magazine. And actually, Shenmue was on that first cover, if you remember the big yes. Meow Sun yes, image. Yes, it was. So, yeah, that's probably where we got 
the first snippets of Shenmue, the first time I learned about it anyway, and seeing the graphics that the Dreamcast could pull off when we did get those screenshots, you know, Shenmue instantly became one of my most anticipated games. So following on from Project Berkeley, the real Shenmue marketing started to kick into play, at least in Japan, with huge Shenmue premiere events. You got your huge flyers and leaflets that were spread around. People headed to different venues with excitement and anticipation for Yusuke's next big game. I've got some stats here now. So there seemed to be six events in total across mm-hmm. Japan. One was held in Osaka with 2,500 attendees. Wow. Fukuoka with 2,500 as well. Hokkaido with 2,500 as well. Sendai with 1,000 and Nagoya with 1,500. And the main event in Yokosuka was 5,000 people in attendance, which is crazy. I mean, looking at the footage for this event at the venue Pacifico in Yokohama, which Matt can probably show a little bit of the YouTube version of this, you can can see how huge this line of people was. You know, I I think it's crazy that this is an event for just one game. Mm. No, I'm not even sure that video games today have had their own event to promote their upcoming releases. You know, you've got your game shows and conferences, but this was literally a whole event dedicated to one game. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? You've got to think of back in the late 90s as well. It's it's all new territory, all of this, sort of, the way they're marketing this game. It, it, I think it was unheard of. I know they did it with Sonic 2 in America, didn't they? They did the, the tour, the Sonic Tuesday thing. They did the um worldwide mm. release on the same day and all that sort of thing um but this is this was another level i think of marketing especially in japan and it's the excitement filtered down slowly to the west and um, but we'll come on to that shortly yeah so a few people actually interviewed it so this is a video you can find on youtube they're being interviewed whilst they eagerly await to enter and they're questioned about what they hope shemu will be so even at this stage, it's crazy. People don't know what Shemu is. You know, to gather such a crowd like this, you've got your 5,000 attendees and an audience excited to see what was to be shown. It, it just makes my mind run wild imagining being excited about a game you don't even have a clue. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah. crazy, isn't it? So, so I've got a few quotes here from the attendees. So one man says, I'm not going to put any voices on, but he says, I'm hoping for a game that will be innovative and groundbreaking. Another guy says, I came along because I'm sure I'll experience the same feeling of awe as when Virtual Fighter 1 was released. No, it will be even greater than that. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's quite big, big words there. Yeah. I guess, you know, maybe these people had seen that disc that was with Virtual Fighter 3, it could be Virtual yeah, Fighter fans possibly, in attendance yeah. and, you know, obviously aware of the genius of Yu Suzuki. So people already seem safe in the knowledge. Whatever was to be shown was going to be great. You've got another guy saying themes such as friendship are an important part of the game, like it showed on the demo disc. So yeah, Project Berkeley disc then. Um, He says, children these days tend not to think much about those kind of things, and it's something I'd like to show them, which is quite nice. Um, Does actually touch in that Project Berkeley, there's a bit of a poem going on, like friendship and love and stuff like that. So it's probably where he's got that from and then you've got a clearly a fan of Yu Suzuki here he's saying since it's been made by Yu Suzuki I made sure to come here early this morning I'm really I'm really looking forward to it fair play I mean to, play. Yeah, to, to be fair we we did all that in Monaco queued up didn't we to, to meet yeah, the man himself course, yeah. and get, get into you know get get our stuff signed and all the rest of it so yeah I can relate to that a little bit 
Mm. I mean, I know there was a lot of stuff going on in Monaco, but how many people do you think was at that event? Was there any stats? I don't know. I'd have to look at the Magic website, but I know the queue for Yuzuzuki was massive when we it was we big, queued up it? twice, didn't we? There must we? have been a couple of hundred people in that yeah, queue, e- right? Easily, easily. Yeah, easily. Um, but that's a story for another time. Mm. So, again, following on with this footage, Yuzuzuki's seen arriving. And he's he's saying his stomach hurts, he's nervous and excited whilst looking over this huge line of people in attendance. He's kind of like looking down on the line. I think he's pretty much... I think he's shocked, to be honest, that there's so many mm. people there. Everyone's received a full bag of Shemu goodies. You know, he's got a ton of merchandise on sale, such as mugs, posters, calendars that we've seen over the years. You know, yeah. the, the very iconic white branded merchandise with the, the concept art on. Uh, and then you've got the show kicking off with a live orchestra playing the Shenmue theme, followed by a question and answer session with Yu Suzuki before some of the first footage of Shenmue in action is shown, showcasing Rio under a park um, filled with cherry trees, followed by Shenfar stroking a white deer in Guilin. So, I mean, it's crazy. They'd already reached that point in design. I mean, we know they had because we'd seen that in yeah. the Saturn build, but the Saturn build, we didn't actually see that till xbox day so it's pretty mental that they were showing shenmue 2 stuff this early and actually that bit of well rio under the tree and shenfar stroking the deer that actually doesn't actually happen in the game so that's no, quite no, quite cool to see that footage as well introduced to the the weather system huge amount of snow falls on the screen which is pretty crazy you know i think it's more snowing than it is in the final build yeah definitely um, and then they're talking about the actual weather data being used which was crazy at the time, but Yusuzuki he chuckles and says, "You know, it proved too hard to obtain the same data for China." <laughs> so <laughs> even he's still got his, you know, his Shenmue two thoughts at this this stage, which is crazy. So you've got more in-game footage, what appears to be perhaps a beta of perhaps the the White Dynasty quarter in Shenmue two, and then possibly the Golden Quarter because of the the busy road in the background kind of looks like that area i thought then jammin in lotus park and then there's a montage of footage of ren wong you know it's all shemu 2 footage it's crazy that people leaving the, the show this is their first glimpse into the world of shemu would probably have seen more footage of shemu 2 than one yeah yeah <laughs> i mean crazy. I, was was it still one game at this point or what had they know. had they actively i mean this is it? This was 1998, right? So they must have been. They must, must have, have split, split it by then. Yeah, it must be split by. So them. close to release, yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, maybe, maybe be, like because we know they've been working on them in tandem. Maybe yeah. Shenmue One and Shenmue Two were still being worked on in tandem. So maybe the the team. Maybe that's why there was so many people in that team. You've seen the footage of the the offices and stuff. Maybe people were working on Shenmue One, and people were working on Shenmue Two. Quite elsewhere possibly. because you know they kind of like released just over a year between each other which you know is unheard of really sequels sequels yeah definitely would take four years typically I'd, I'd have thought right yeah depending on the game and mm. and what it is and the, and the the ip etc but yeah i mean yeah it was a year shenmue one shenmue two it was around a year it's crazy mm-hmm. they did it that quickly but then i, ve- I vaguely remember in interviews not long after Shenmue was released, he was talking about the sequel, saying, "Yeah, we, you know, we're not far off. Finished it now. Um, mm-hmm. We're polishing it. It's been working on. We've been working on it the whole time. That sort of thing." So they obviously carried that on once they split it into two games, and then they basically just took 
essentially a shell of it or whatever mm-hmm. it was improved it where they needed to and and, and then released it because everything else is pretty much done yeah well as we'll get into when we get to your bit matt where you know your first couple of articles this is like was it pre-release of shenmue and yeah. you know the interviewers talking about shenmue 2 to yu suzuki and you know yu suzuki's a bit coy he doesn't want to talk too much about shenmue 2 at this point but he you know he's he, <laughs> he is talking about shenmue 2 before the first game's even released so um that just proves that point kind of so this footage, again, you can see it on YouTube. There's no actual follow-up questions in this video with the people in attendance. Might have been nice to see what they, they thought after they've been at the event, but you can see people leaving with smiles. So that must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so following on from this event, we come to Tokyo Game Show 1999. Right at the start of the year, this is Matt. So I think the, the premier events were like towards possibly the tail end of 1998. Yeah. So they've had a few more months to work on the game. The Dreamcast had only been released in Japan for just over three months at this point. So owners of the new console would be excited to see what the future had in store for them at TGS. And one such area of the game show was again dedicated to Shenmue, complete with CRT TVs. You've got huge promotional artwork and even a full-sized forklift truck and motorbike, which is crazy. Marketing, Sega's marketing, that's where all the budget went. They blew it on marketing. I don't know if they bought those things outright or just, you know, rented them. (laughs) I don't know, you know, but it's it's an interesting point, marketing Shenmue. It's probably a podcast in itself, I guess, Mm. in some respects. But, like, there was a lot of marketing that went into Shenmue 1, right? Shenmue 2 This is just the Japanese side. Yeah, yeah. You've got things when it come over to the West as well. I know, it's mad. And, like, Shenmue 2 released with not much marketing fanfare behind it. Shenmue 3 had a bit, but not that much really and then the only thing really that's had a ton of marketing and been quite successful around the marketing is the anime i know we had the hd releases we're going to talk about those a little bit later but you look at effective marketing across shenmue it's probably yeah. the first game in the anime everything else is true a bit and the anime was like difficult. nowhere near on this scale no you know? no it wasn't you know, you're talking like trailers and stuff like that but you you know this is like full-on events dedicated to what it's was mad. to come which is mental so this stuff i kind of saw this footage there's a video from adam dory actually he's recorded some of the event he must have been in attendance which is amazing i'd, I'd love to have been there tokyo game show 1999 so he's got i think it was like a 20 minute video of him like walking around first time i'd seen this footage actually i don't know if you'd seen it matt I haven't, you know. I'm going to have to watch it. I want him on the show anyway, so I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, might perk him up a bit (laughs) if we start showing his footage. But yeah, I mean, maybe we might have to ask him if we can use it, but we'll we'll include some of the footage if we can as as we're talking about this. So I've got some more quotes. So people who experienced Shenmue via a demo kiosk at this event had this to say. Some guy says, it has beautiful graphics. It's really easy to play. It's as if you're actually there. It's in a different category from other games. It feels like a movie. Someone else says, even the movements of the characters up until now, movements were jerky, but looking at this, it's as if people are actually moving about inside. When you compare Shenmue, right, I think that was like, I think that was the making of Shenmue video map where Yusuzuki's looking, they're all sat around watching a TV, aren't they, of Final yeah, Fantasy VII. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, this is a game that I don't know if it was released at the time, and they had the footage, or they were watching the trailer. I can't quite remember the time scale wise, but you're looking at Final Fantasy VII. 
it's not a patch on the graphics of Shenmue. So no. people in attendance at E3, you know, they'll be at this Shenmue booth and it'll look nothing. You know, it's on a different level to everything else at the game show, I'd have thought, and people playing it. And, you know, these, these quotes here saying like that, I'm assuming they mean the animations. It looks like someone's actually walking around. It's that good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's so funny when you think about it. I mean, released in 99, right? Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy VII, if memory serves me correctly, around 97, 98, it was released. There's okay. a okay. year to two year gap yep. between these two games. But the jump in the visual fidelity of, of, of the games is massive. Now, I know you've had a console generation as well in that, so that obviously comes into into play, but it's it's night and day difference. And Final Fantasy VII is, 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 a, is a hugely revered game. It's a, probably the best Final Fantasy game out there, even mm-hmm. now. And Shenmue just took the visuals and just went completely off on another scale. And that's without considering storytelling detail, weather, all that stuff that, that makes Shenmue Shenmue. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I, I don't want to say this is a fact, but you could say that the graphics kind of allured us into the game. Because yeah. at the time, I, I didn't know anything about Shenmue. You know, I remember buying the game. I still didn't know what I was going to get into. I didn't have the same sort of affection for Japan as I do now. You know, it was Shenmue that got me into these things, the Japanese culture, you know, actually wanting to visit Japan and actually going to Dubuita Street was just because of Shenmue after playing it. So I didn't know what I was getting in for. So it probably was the graphics at the time that were mind-blowing that I had to see what this game was all about. So the graphics kind of helped in the marketing aspect as well, that they were so good, people had to buy it. Definitely helped. So, oh, this is cool, actually. So the next thing you see in this little video is um, Yu Suzuki's actually, he, he spots a little boy that's playing Shenmue on this demo kiosk. He's actually pointing at him, smiling, and this little kid's so ingrained in the game, he, he doesn't even know, notice Yu Suzuki. <laughs> he might not even know who Yu Suzuki is, but it's just funny seeing how, how full of joy Yu Suzuki is by seeing this little boy um, playing his game. You know, that must be quite a heartwarming moment. Um, your creation there and this guy's glued to the screen <laughs> so after this Tokyo game show the Shenmue marketing continued as a huge Shenmue area it was featured at a multimedia event called Network Jungle 2 so we briefly mentioned this earlier Matt well, the jungle demo when we yeah. talk about the holy grail things so this event was called Digital Land and this was in early May of 1999 so this is reading from another Phantom Riverstone article about the event, which says Sega pulled out all the stops in promoting the game with video footage, stage events, merch, demonstrations, hands-on play, and even a special virtual exhibition demo, which ran on Dreamcast hardware, which that is another holy grail of Shenmue folklore that we mentioned there. I'd love to play that build. Yeah, so it's would like I. It's rec- like a recreation of the event stage. It's just... It, it looks crazy. It, it might not be much to it, but... No, but I'd love it for preservation purposes because that's... That we see so many like, you know, magazine shots of it, mm-hmm. haven't we? But to build something spe- specifically for that event yeah. on top of making Shenmue 1 and 2... I know, yeah, yeah. It's mad. And that's not all. We'll get to it in a moment, but I've got 
a bit that says magazine reports quoted Yusuzuki as saying people could look forward to seeing significant improvements since the Shemu demo shown at TGS. So obviously they've been working on another few months since TGS. The game's improved somewhat as well. So the event space was divided up into a number of forests which represented themed areas and Shemu was themed in the game forest area. So again, I'd highly recommend checking out this article. It goes into a lot of detail on all things found at the event, the demos, and one of them is actually, you know, the the Jimmy chase sequence and you know the yeah. Mister Yukawa chase sequence. There's an entirely different chase sequence with Terry for some reason. <laughs> uh, so that must be like a, a pre-beta sort of build that they were showing off. And again, you've got many people in attendance at this event. You've got the character busts again. There's like a huge Shenfar doll that they had produced for this event which is crazy as well i don't know where that is now these framed promotional artwork and again you've got people coming away with bags full of merchandise so that kind of just shows people were still buying into shemu at this point if i could go back in time i would go to all these events because that is like a shemu fan's wet dream those well it is a three bit, events isn't it? isn't it yeah i mean we i go back to monaco which is a drop in the ocean compared to all of this stuff isn't it mm-hmm. i mean this this is Hollywood film level level yeah stuff, I don't know if, if you could appreciate it at the time I think like now knowing what Shemu is and like how it's changed the lives going back to those would it just would make that off the charts Be mad it? But, wouldn't it yeah so Shemu's release was ultimately delayed slightly people that had pre-ordered the game were treated to what Shemu demoed us so that's why I was on about just Matt where you were saying um that they'd gone out of the way to create a demo for this event They'd gone out of the way to create another demo yeah. because the game was delayed slightly. So it, it's crazy that all those people got a free Watch Shemu demo disc, which I'm sure only whetted their appetites even more. And that kind of leads up to the part that you're at, Matt. So, you know, it concludes my little introductory segment. So yeah. we're up to the point now of Shemu's ultimate release. So that was all the Japanese side of things there and, you know, little bits and bobs about the anticipation of the game upcoming. Obviously, it was released in Japan, I think, in 1999 that year. And we got it in the following year in 2000, I think November 2000. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I know you've done a lot of research for the rest of the show, Matt. So before we get into that stuff, I'm just going to play a piece of music from the original Shemu. Quite an epic piece, and this is a new journey. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. That was a new journey taken from the Shenmue orchestral soundtrack. So, Matt, we reached the release of Shenmue. Where do we start? Well, we start in the West and, and America, and is where it all sort of starts, I guess. Um, you're talking about E3, um, mm-hmm. 2000, and also a little bit before that in November uh, 1999, uh, official Dreamcast magazine got hold of. The, the, the sort of the news coming out of Japan uh, that Shenmue had just been released at this point and sales have been quite good as well. I think by, by January that uh, in two, January, 2000, it had met its sales targets for, for that period that it come out for. So to dispel any myth that it was a failure in terms of sales, Shenmue one wasn't, it cost a lot of money, hence why it never made the money back that, they obviously hoped just putting that out there you got that quote haven't you where they said like you need to buy two copies for your dreamcast or something i don't know what that was based on yeah whether that was like the entire run across the world or you know i i don't know but it's it's still quite a lot i mean it sold 1.2 million copies so it did pretty well on on dreamcast but anyway considering dreamcast was like the niche console as well Mm. To a certain extent, <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a big, big deal, Shenmue. At the end of the day, and I do think a lot of these sales were probably driven by the hype, the marketing. I wonder and... how many Dreamcasts were sold based on Shenmue alone. So you know, like obviously, Dreamcast essentially failed, didn't it? You know what I mean? They kind yeah. of packed the bags and they went third party rather than producing consoles and stuff. But really, you know, the Shenmue's sales and stuff kind of like it's not just Shenmue itself is it because it could have sold Dreamcast consoles because someone's got to buy a console to play that game so I mean that could have been a factor in the success of the Dreamcast to a certain extent as well it could have been I mean there are copies I think Japanese Dreamcasts that had Shenmue artwork and were bundled with them I think in Japan but someone who's a better gaming historian than me will, will correct me if I'm wrong of course no there is there's a they did do like a limited edition with the there we go i Shenmue knew i knew i'd it. seen it somewhere i wasn't making it up so that's always good that i wasn't completely going mad <laughs> um but yeah i think it would have driven some sales for the dreamcast i'd be surprised if it didn't obviously you can't put a quantifiable number on it but no just by all the hype that was coming out in japan and actually it fed its way west it really did I, the, the western magazines and and uh, you know websites at the time bought into this i mean when you consider some of the press shenmue 3 got some of it was deserved some of it wasn't of course mm-hmm. they were buying into this game back then massively i mean official dreamcast magazine they're talking about it they're saying like they're amazed by you know the fact it's all in real time it, the sun rising the, uh, and setting shops opening and closing everything's on like a schedule they, they, they were amazed by this and they were like, we've never seen anything like this before. Game Informer is saying that he's thinking outside the box, packed with details and features like the clock and the environment. So this is all feeding into Western media now. On top of, as we mentioned already, the graphics. The graphics are being universally praised at this point. as ultra-realistic. It's like you're being in Japan. And people are enamored by this. DC UK are a little bit... Not backhanded, but they do say there's so many ideas here. It's a miracle all came together so well in a preview, mm. which I can understand. But I think mm-hmm. people are basing some of this off of preview builds that have come out of Japan or even yeah, when I they're guess they probably picked up the released version in Japan yeah, because they, there's so much time between them. 
there were some reviews out there that reviewed the Japanese version, um, which I do not envy anybody trying to do if you can't, yeah, can't read the language. Japanese. I wonder how many um, people actually from over here imported the Japanese copies I'd with love it being... To, I'd love to know. So if there's anybody out there who did... Because, say, for like these days, if you were looking forward to a game and it was being released somewhere a whole year <laughs> before we got it, you'd be tempted to import it, wouldn't you? You would. And back then as well, it was quite the normal thing, wasn't it, that, that games got delayed coming to the West because they had to be localised, whereas now I think it's more common practice that they tend to release around the same time. I and mean, we got the Shenmue HD releases before Japan did. I think it's partly because mm. Sega Europe led on that, but we'll yeah, come to that a bit, a bit later. So, sort of late 1999, early 2000, the, the UK magazines are picking this up and they're running with it and they're really excited by it. We sort of then fast forward into sort of E3 2000 at this point, and there's a couple of interviews that IGN did back in the day when IGN were a bit of an indie type page, um, and cut. they were quite honestly quite big fans of the Dreamcast, I think, back then. And they're talking about Shenmue and they're saying that you know, the, it's mad 500 characters that you can talk to gameplay that's multifaceted and easy to get into um you can talk to any character that you want by pressing the a button people will initiate conversations all plain to tell you to go away and they're presented in context with instead of the same speech every time now that's massive when you think of games like zelda ocarina of time final fantasy you talk to the same you talk to a character and after a while they'll just keep reciting the same shit yeah. They they just do. Shenmue, it changed as to where you were in the game for every character. Now it might be nuanced a little bit and they might have cut a little corner here or there to do it, but the conversation changed. They a character would go from being quite helpful and knowing about something to actually, no, I don't. Um, however, why don't you go and talk to person, blah, blah, blah. It's just crazy, isn't it? These these probably conversations we still haven't discovered because you have to be somewhere at a certain time in the story talking to a certain character i know blue moves done like a lot of like just chatting to random characters at certain points but the dialogue the amount of dialogue and when you hear people like it might have been like Corey or matsukazi san when they're talking about all the different lines they, they were like told to to reply loads of different times like the same response but just different intonation and just a, a slightly different phrasing, you know, like an I see or yeah, I see, you know, you, you just slightly different changes. And I just can't imagine how anyone pieced that all together, <laughs> you know, when they were building the game. It's unheard of, isn't it? But then mm. when you think about games now, this was the first real, in my view, AAA title mm-hmm. for what it did, open world, free, whatever you want to call it, Shenmue set basically Shenmue walked so open world could run. There's no two ways about it in my mind. But we we sort of fast forward a little bit to E3 2000. And at this point, IGN are really excited about it. And they interview Yuzuzuki. Oddly enough, talk a lot about Shenmue 2 here as well. Yeah, is this the one? Because might might have missed. Yuzuzuki must have done a GDC press conference or something. Because he says, in your speech at GDC, you mentioned you'd like to create a new genre of gaming experience that merges the reality of movies with the interactivity of games. You mentioned Shemu Chapter 1 as being the first step at this. <laughs> he says, um, how far does Shemu Chapter 1 go towards achieving this goal? And Yusuzuki says, Shemu 1 is like a child in kindergarten. 
I mean, it's mad, means. isn't it? When you think like he's talking about Shenmue One and going, yeah, 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 this yeah. is just the first step. And he says later on in this interview, Shenmue Two's got a lot more action than Shenmue One. That they he talks about the pacing being slightly different, and also what he talks about here. Now this is mad. This is nineteen ninety nine two thousand, and he said what what needs to be done to further advance the game. And they're talking about the concept being planned out of Shenmue One, features that were there and cut off. And he, he was saying Shenmue 2 is the next stage. As you know, Shenmue uses the VMU. Many players use the Shenmue Passport to upload their data from the VMU to Sega servers. We made a server program called Player Data Analyzer. And using this, we selected what was good from the features in Shenmue 1. And then Shenmue 2 focused on what we used in Shenmue 1. And this goes on from there. That is mental. That's like having cookies on your computer, isn't it? Just tracking it, you, yeah, what it, you're doing to kind of help produce... <laughs> the I mean, next game in the series or something game games now they track trophies they track engagement don't they They track what people are doing through data and they're all online shemu's doing this in the year 1999 it's mad isn't it and they had like the data that we're going off i don't know because i know got... like the, the the player stats on the passport was like how many times a player had bumped into a wall so maybe you know they decided like you know fucking our people are bumping into walls a lot. We're gonna to have to like make the areas larger with like less. You know maybe that's how Pigeon Park was so wide and yeah, all these different areas. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's absolutely bonkers. And they talk again about a little bit about the BBS on Shenmue.com where yeah. there's feedback going in as well. Uh, they talk a bit about the English version of the game when work started on localizing that call back to that i interviewed the lead beta tester mike reinhardt so if you want to look into how that all happened listen mm-hmm. to that interview it's a good one and mike is an absolute sound guy and he credits shenry for launching his career in the gaming industry so it's it, honestly it's insane and they're talking about here like any signs of the textures being changed for the u.s and western version obviously we know the coca-cola sign changed to jet cola and he's yep. talking about like the the signs for like barbershops being changed, the graphics being changed to show different names in English and Japanese. Opening, closing of stores is being so they're thinking about this Western release in very much detail. But what the Western media are starting to feed on is how good this game looks, how it's like nothing they've ever seen before. And actually, ODM Official Dreamcast Magazine summed this up brilliantly in my view they say Shenmue is heavily a story-based game with a level of immersion and freedom never seen before well I think that hits the nail on the head don't you basically it's it's mad I mean talking off our own experiences we were reading these magazines at the time we were both enamored weren't by these sorts of things weren't we for sure man like like you say this is our first introduction to this game and like I was saying earlier you know the graphics are there the intriguing us and then hearing about how you could literally do anything I, I remember talking to my friend at school like i think even before shenmue was a thing where we were like oh, i want it to be amazing if you could like play a game where you could just do anything you want you know pick up this object and go through this door whenever you want kind of thing and shenmue literally did that you know we were, we were talking about that on the schoolyard and shenmue ended up giving us basically just an out of the world out idea there that's like you know you can literally do what you want you can pick up a fucking orange out of an orange bowl and turn it around in your hand it serves no purpose but the fact is you can do that and that again like odm is saying to you that just increases your level of immersion 
in the game. You know, games today don't even do stuff like that. Trying to immerse yourself in the world. Shenmue, in my opinion, does it the best. I remember playing it when it first came out. And even in subsequent playthroughs, you can look at the clock and not realise, you know, six, seven hours have passed. And, you know, you've just been so immersed in the world, you you become Rio. And I think that's kind of, this is a bit cheesy, but that could be why a lot of us do want to travel to Dubuita Street because it's like somewhere that we feel like we've actually been. <laughs> it does. It feels like a home from home, doesn't it? And that's, I think, part of the reason Shenmue hit so many people as hard as it did. And not just from a wow factor, this has never been done before, but actually when you get into it as a game and and how it impacted everybody and the way it played and everything, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, it's probably a good point now to move into the actual reviews of the thing, bearing in mind We've had to wait for this game a year. It's been out in Japan a year at this point. But the, re- the reaction reviews to Shenmue 1 is is absolutely crazy. I mean, IGN loved it. 9.7 out of 10, right? Opening opening line, that good, you say? No, better than good. Great, superb, remarkable, extraordinary, wonderful, monumental. Better yet, just highlight one of those words and copy it to Word and use whatever <laughs> you like. Because mm. they... and. They loved it, and they said it's such a graphically beautiful, breathtaking world that they don't expect to see any mistakes in the game. I mean, there are a few here and there's your bug and bits and pieces here and there, but they had they they basically said they hadn't seen a game of this quality and standard ever before with such freedom to do whatever you want. And it actually says it here: the goal of creating a realistic virtual world has never been realized until now. And while Shenmue doesn't give you absolute freedom to roam everywhere, it certainly feels like you can go anywhere in this game. And Mm -hmm. that is so true because it was the first game that allowed us to do this sort of thing, go away and do what we want, go to the arcade, go and waste time at the slot machine, go and practice, go and knock Fukusan about as much as you like. You had that free choice, and it was the first time that I think it had ever been successfully integrated into the game so well that it just fit. It felt natural, and the hype around this game was very real. It was very, very real. GameSpot gave it 7.8 out of 10. Um, They felt the pacing was a bit off. I can understand that looking back, but even they talk about saying, like, that way you spend hours interacting with people, the environments are insane. You can talk to everybody. And I haven't even touched on the music yet, which I'm going to do separately in these sort of reviews, if you like, because I think it's true. Yeah, the music on its own own part, if you like. I know they mention the time passing, seasons change, you know, the weather, GameSpot we're talking about here. I do find it funny. I mean, we might come to it when we talk about the Shenmue 1 and 2 collection. Yeah. I noticed a lot of people were like put off by the time system, the in game time system, as though like. Oh, I hate games where you're like constrained by the clock and this sort of thing. But actually, I think that's couldn't be far from true in Shenmue. Like, you, I don't ever feel pressured by the in-game top clock. You know, there is a few events that are based on a schedule, like meet someone at three p.m. or something, for example. But there's no real fail state for not even attending. A lot of the times, like Rio might automatically jump to that event, so you never really have to worry about the clock and the bad ending so far away. I literally, you have to do the day skip to get there because yeah, because you, you'd never no way... do it. You'd never do it in a normal cycle of play, would you? No chance. So, 
the clock, I think, was criticised in some respects because there were certain events you'd miss or you'd struggle to get to, like the the Charlie, not the Charlie fight, but the um, Tony Smith fight in the car park around the arcade. Now, it depends on who you are. It's not entirely clear in the notebook how mm. that happens, I guess. So I can see it where Shenmue 2 sort of had the weight feature in there as well. Well, that was the biggest complaint, wasn't it, at the time? And Shenmue mm. 1 was like, you were hanging, waiting around too much. Obviously, for us, that was like... I loved it, but I yeah. loved it because, you know, you immerse yourself in the world more, don't you? You know, you've got something happening at a certain time. So, you know, I'll, I'll go off and talk to this character. I'll go back home, have a chat with Fukusan or, you know, spar with him, have a look around the house, draws. Oh, you know, found torch. That might be good for later batteries. <laughs> you know, we'll go to the arcade and then, you know, time just go passes because you're so immersed. But I know a lot of people were bored by that sort of stuff. Yeah, which I, I can get because I think it and GameSpot do say there's enough for there is enough in this for casual gamers as well as sort of the more hardcore RPG type gamers in there. So I can see mm. where people come from with that. And I do think a weight function would have been nice looking back, but I really didn't care at the time, and I probably wouldn't have used it at the time. Um, it was just a nice feature, I think, to that they took the feedback into Shenmue 2. I prefer, um, actually, that there isn't a weight feature because I've, I've said it before, but like when you're presented with an option that's like wait or don't wait, you kind of feel like you have to wait. Do you know what I mean? It's It's a daft thing, but it's like if someone offers you something, you're more likely to take it, aren't you, than if it's not there at all. Yeah, I see I see your point. Um and it's and even in Shenmue That's 3 they, me, though, yeah. they did it, they had like mm. a skip to whatever. Now when I did my first playthrough of Shenmue 3, I didn't skip any skip to anything. I was like, I'm taking my time. You force here. yourself not to, yeah. Yeah, but it's I difficult yeah, sometimes. It, it's getting in that mindset to do it, I think. But gaming now, I think is encouraged a little bit to sort of hit story, hit story, hit story. But I, I like the choice. I like the fact that if I want to skip, I can. But me personally, with story-based games and world-building games, I like to be immersed by the world. And Shenmue's world did this. Every review here completely agrees that the world-building here was absolutely revolutionary and still is even today, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Official Dreamcast Magazine UK gave it 10 out of 10. I know they did a lot of features on it leading perfect up to it score. as well um perfect not just score. because it's official as well they were quite harsh on some of the games so yeah they were notoriously on some of them as well games master 94 percent. it's a killer app that had us hooked from start to finish it'll be uh, a game that is remembered forever and held as a benchmark against all future graphic adventures and i think it absolutely was despite what people may think of Shenmue now in some respects, in some circles, in some casual gaming circles. Um, you, you certainly know what it is, put it that way. Yeah, well, you'd hope so anyway. It's, yeah. it's fa- famous for more you know, re- reasons than, than one anyway. Well, put it this way, for such a shit game, a lot of people know about it apparently, so I'll just <laughs> put it there. <laughs> That's true. Forklift yeah. Simulator. Yeah, Forklift Simulator and all the rest <laughs> of the shit that it gets. And it, yeah, some of it is fair, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not I'm not bleating on about it, but the fact that even now Shenmue draws a reaction from gamers across all sort of breadths of walks of life, whatever you want to call it, is testament to the impact that this game had and all the reviews out there said this is a benchmark this is a watershed moment in gaming here um official dreamcast magazine us is saying do not miss this 
do not miss this um, because you'll you'll regret it. And um, it's Shemu is credited for pioneering game technologies, the environment. Well, that, that quote just above there, Matt. So this was from DC UK. They said, interactive move, virtual reality, whatever you want to call it, there's really nothing like Shemu. Exactly. This was like, I know virtual reality was around in this sort of year, but this was like pre that technology taking off and this didn't exist it didn't, it to that, didn't, in a, in didn't exist this is it did not exist i and whatever you think now of shenmue and and love it or hate it and i do think it, it does draw strong opinions you cannot deny how influential this game was and now we talk about the music <laughs> the soundtrack for this game is in the classic fm hall of fame for god's sake it's it's crazy and going to IGN's review here, they say like the music of Metal Gear Solid was great. Yes, it was great. Metal Gear Solid, if you've never played that game, you must play it. It's excellent. Chrono Cross as well, great music. But Shenmue does it better, not because of just the composing, but it's not overused. It's done at the right times. It's like a Hollywood movie. And that's what they were going for here. They were going for something bigger than a Hollywood movie with the music, with the score, with how it all linked together. The music was written for this game, and it was written specifically for scenes. They were working on, you know, they'd have the scenes playing, and they composed music to them. You do that in films. This was unheard mm-hmm. of in video games, and the music is it's unreal. It. Yeah. And, you know, you've got your soundtracks at the time, the orchestra soundtrack, the original soundtrack, the jukebox soundtrack. You've got those little promotional things, like I say, and some of those early events they even had a live orchestra playing Shenmue's theme I mean that must have been insane I mean you come back into like it comes back into the marketing here like all the magazines have loved it at this point it's been pretty much 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 across most of the mainline publications these that you picked out and this is quite a lot of different you know journalists and different um, magazines you, you're talking an average of a, got to be a nine, aren't it? Really, out of that, yeah. if you were averaging, averaging those scores, which is is massive, really. It's huge. And then they they kept marketing this game as well, like with all the merchandise, the soundtracks, all this stuff that fed into the hype around Shenmue drove its success for the first game. Now, people obviously dropped off because it wasn't for everybody. And Shenmue 2's marketing, let's be brutally honest about this, it was non-existent. It turned up in Japan. Um, we got it in, in in Europe somehow by hook or crook. And it never happened on Dreamcast in the United States and went to Xbox with pretty much no real marketing campaign to it. And they wonder yeah. why it didn't do so well. I think but that's got to have damaged it. Absolutely. Um, so before we get into the Shenmue 2 section, Matt, see if... The opinions changed, or you know, <laughs> what actually happened to um, feedback when we reached Shemu 2. Let's have a piece of music to split the show up a little bit. So, I picked out a piece of Shemu 2 music actually before we get to that segment. And this is it's it's entitled Fang Mei's Final Scene. Um, not sure which that would be. Would that be maybe when Rio's actually leaving? Mm, possibly, or it could potentially be linked to you know one of the events like the birthday event or something it's um not a very common piece of music and so yeah let's listen to that now
Okay, welcome back. That was Shenmue 2's Fang Mei's final scene. At least that's what the track is entitled here that I've got. So, Matt, you want to go into the Shenmue 2 stuff now? Yeah, I mean, Shenmue 2 is an odd one. Before I sort of dive into some of the, the reviews and things of it, in that we saw a lot of this game before it, we knew where it was, if, if that makes sense. Because it was a lot of these shots, footage, whatever you want to call it, were in the magazines years before Shenmue 2 came out. And they were talking about Shenmue 2 at E3 2000 and even in, back in 1999. I wonder so, if there's anyone that like, picked up Shenmue 1 and were like, wait, wait man, where's, where's all this, where's quite, this forest? <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Because, I mean, like you think about Ren, for example, who, fe- who features quite heavily in some of the early footage. You don't yeah. meet him until sort of, you know... And people were like, Nielsen? Who's this? Yeah, you don't even see her in Shenmue 2. No, you don't see her at all. You meet Shenfire at the end of the game. You know, it's yeah. it's mad. But Shenmue 2 didn't have the marketing hype behind it at all because the Dreamcast died. And straight up, I found it a lot harder to find articles for, for Shenmue 2 reviews because the Dreamcast had died and... It shifted to Xbox, and I think it just, in some respects, slid under the under the radar. So, um, did you actually find any US reviews of the Dreamcast version, or was it? All I found a couple. On? Found a couple, not many, but I found a couple. Okay. Um. So the first one I got is from TVG, and they gave it ninety out of a hundred. They said the big improvement is everything's a lot less linear and it feels like your actions directly influence Rio's progress through the adventure. And they're talking about the branching paths that Shenmue 2 has here. Mm-hmm. So like if you fail a QTE, you don't necessarily have to redo it. A different scene happens. Like, for example, that one in the park where you, you're you doing the Chowran signs in Hong Kong. If you go to Manmo Park, get beaten up, you end up back at Shewings and there's a different cutscene for it. That stuff's crazy, isn't it? Really, that that's like your first glimpse of that kind of gameplay mechanic that is quite prevalent in games like you know your Detroit, where you, you make a decision or you know a bad decision and it affects perhaps not so like the overall plot, and that's probably the same for Detroit. Like the overall plot's the same to a certain degree, but this is like it's changing how that player is witnessing the game. So I. I don't even know if I went to that Mam- Mamo Park scene the first time I played Shemu 2. It's like subsequent playthroughs where you discover, and it's kind of what keeps us going back for more because every playthrough can be a different experience to a certain extent. Yeah, it's, it's mad, isn't it? That you've got all this, the options for the player, and what Shenmue does, and what I love about it, and I love about gaming back then, is it doesn't hold your hand to do it. You discover this stuff naturally. Each playthrough, in theory, could be different. Yep. You talk about um, Detroit and the heavy, heavy rain who have like 15 different endings. And mm-hmm. if you play, you do certain things a certain way, it changes it. And it does. But they hold your hand in some respects. Where you always got your list of options, haven't you, around the dialogue that happens. Shenmue, I don't know, you, you, stumble, you can stumble across this stuff just by pure chance. And just I love that into a, an area at a certain time, and you, yeah. know, you get a different cutscene. And you know, I remember actually these these one that's like not quite common. You're just wandering around Aberdeen, and you get Joy on the motorbike, and that guy yeah. takes a photo of you and Joy. You know, there's another one later. You walk behind Mamo Temple by the library, and some dude, whatever his name, one of the servant guys, takes a picture of you and Fang Mei. You know, these yeah, scenes yeah, like yeah. that that you just you just randomly fall upon that. 
I, I, I don't even know particularly how to trigger them today. It's just something you just you kind of just walk into, and it's when it happens, it happens. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a part of the charm. I mean, GameSpot talk about Shenmue. They give it 87 out of 100, so it's, again, very, very well put together and very well reviewed. They say it offers better pace than the original, has an epic feel that suits the story it tells. Can't, can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. They say it's a showcase for the Dreamcast and the evolution of the RPG genre, and fans should find a way to play it, referencing the fact that it won't come out in the United States. Um, they say that the game... It, the variety of gameplay is matched by the graphics, which push the Dreamcast to its absolute limits. And if anybody remembers playing Shenmue 2 back on the Dreamcast in the day, it sounded like a bloody jet engine about to take off. That's you true, could yeah. hear it whirring Especially away. The, um, Guang martial arts. Yeah, all those yeah. characters on, yeah. on screen. And you get, the, you get the slowdown with the frame rate as well. Now, I know people get annoyed by that in some respects now, and it, we're, we're spoiled in gaming these days where frame rates can be locked to 30 and be okay generally and we get 60 fps quite often these days but i don't know there's a little bit of charm about walking into the area and you, oh, there's a bit of slowdown but you can see why because the dreamcast is about to explode so it's <laughs> fine uh, and, they, and they credit the team actually that you know careful coding clipping allow like for massive areas lots of people on screen weathering on buddha statues clothing detailed hearts content and a, a game that just bl- just takes the original and expands on it massively. Well, you've got to think what they did to get this on a Dreamcast disc. I know it was split into four discs, but the areas, some of the stuff they had to do, you know, the, they talk about the magic maze stuff in the forest and uh, the, the magic rooms and Kowloon, how, how that's coded just so they can fit them on the disc is insane. It's like, I think they had to come up with... Um, what, what's it called? Not like, like a patent, didn't they? For, for mm. how this is actually creating these rooms in Kowloon. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's patent documents out there. I don't know if was it was supposed. To, is that like unknown or was that? I think Switch. Secret? I think Switch did a, did a blog on <laughs> on the magic rooms and how they were generated. Actually, it's worth trying to dig that out because they generate all the rooms. Like as you go on to the, as you open the door, the room is generated. You go in, and how mm-hmm. many rooms are in Kowloon for Christ's sake? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so the rooms aren't prepared in a sense, like set. There's a code that, like, like makes it just things does it, does it. appear. Yeah, you know, just but to give that effect that those rooms are there in in the game, and you know, people are living there. You have got beds and furniture, and it just adds again adds to the immersion. But just some of the techniques they had to do to to pull it's, pull it's crazy. Two. It's, it's crazy the fact this runs on a Dreamcast and. This sums it up, I think, very well from GameSpot. And I say it's a shame that it will never see the light of day on Dreamcast in the United States. Its level of polish, technical prowess, and creativity make it one of the Dreamcast's finest titles. Fans of the series owe it to themselves to track it down and play it via Japanese or European import. It's that good. Hopefully it will shine just as brightly when the Xbox version is released. You know when you were talking to Mike, uh, Mike Reinhardt? Yeah. Was he, he? Did he mention about like a, a US version that they were? He didn't. No. Obviously, no. we know through the betas that have been put out there since through, like, through Lauren and Lemon Hayes and, and and ourselves at the dojo that there was a Dreamcast US version that was pretty much near completion. Yeah. Um, and you can download that from from Lauren's page. We can put the link in the um in the chat in, mm-hmm. in the chat in the comments rather. But I Mike never mentioned anything of it. 
other than that they outsourced the beta testing for Shenmue 2 for the, for the localization. So his team didn't deal with it, but he was yeah. in on the meetings in marketing <laughs> when they were talking about what was going to go over to Xbox and Shenmue 2 was obviously on that list, which um, if I ever get Peter Moore on the show, I'd love to ask him about it because he was involved in that. I mean, he gets a lot of stick for it as well. Yeah, I, I, I understand both sides of the argument. I mean, he yeah. could have had... I don't know, again, if it was marketing or whatever, but if Shenmue had been a success on the Xbox, you know, maybe we wouldn't be where we are now and we could have experienced the saga already on the original Xbox, but obviously something didn't quite work out in that regard as well. So I don't know if that's Peter Moore's fault or not. I don't know. I'd love to talk to him, get him on the show and talk through all of that because I think he'd have a very interesting insight, providing he's allowed to talk about it because there might still be NDAs involved, etc. True, true. Um, Dreamcast Magazine, just say, the game story is one of the high points. It has many aspects um, from the first games, also lots of different ones, but also contains a lot of parts related to Japanese, Chinese or martial arts culture. And it's everything a sequel should be and more. The gaming age, it was an incredible experience from get, start to finish. The core gameplay formula isn't different from the first game. We, you know, we'd agree with that. But Mac, you know, packed with more action and improvements. So many, in fact, that he gave it an A. Um, it's not a game for everybody, but it's one of the best gaming experiences out there. Mm. IGN reviewed. The only one I could find was a review of the Xbox version. And it got 8.3 out of 10. They were a little bit disappointed graphically that it didn't have a much more of an upgrade than I think it got on Xbox. But credited the story, the Virtual Fighter engine, and just said, you know, it's it's a good sequel. And they were quite happy with it. So do you think that would have got a bit, bit bigger score if they'd have covered it on the Dreamcast? Yeah, I think it probably would have done, if I'm being honest. I couldn't find anything from IGN for a Shenmue 2 review on Dreamcast. Now, there might be one out there, and if I've missed it, by all means, chuck it in the comments. But I couldn't find anything when I was researching this. Mm, what's um, interesting is like how they kind of rate games. Obviously, this is the sequel to a game that they rated, was it a 9.7? So what is in the game for them to rate it so low. I mean, obviously, maybe the Xbox and the graphics not having a significant upgrade is a factor if they're talking solely about the port. But in terms of, like, the game, obviously, Shenmue 2's bigger and better, isn't it, in a sense? I mean, obviously, Shenmue 1's a lot more tighter and more detailed to a certain degree for the area that you're allowed to to roam around in. But, you know, Shenmue 2's got three huge areas and a lot of the story content and, you know, the game's ultimately, the gameplay is ultimately the same. Mm. So, you know, what's what's with the, the big dip in, in score, do you think? Some of it relates to uh, the, the money barrier that Shenmue 2 has when you think mm. you need $500 to meet Ren and then okay. $500 again to do was there not a money thing in the first game like no because the, the job you didn't you just needed money to waste your time basically and do what you like yeah. in shenmue one and you got the job at the forklifts as a part of the mad angel storyline but here you had to get money to progress the story and they were a little bit critical of that i mean shenmue 3 does it as well for anybody who claims that shenmue 3 is a waste of time because it um it you know, there's, there's there's money barriers here well shenmue 2 did it as well um and IGN in fairness. Through the gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
Um, they they just felt that was a bit of an annoyance, uh, but they said the story was really compelling, and I, they they didn't want that to detract from the story, which I can understand. I get it, and it was a change of gameplay mechanic, which does make it more realistic in a sense because you do need money. Oh, okay. I, I just read that part, that little quote there. So the story is compelling, and I'd much rather spend my time doing something to bring me closer to the truth about Landy and the two mirrors than have to spend time moving boxes. So yeah, I I, I get it. I get it. I mean. It is easy to earn money, especially when you learn how to save scum. But anyway, <laughs> we'll leave that there. Maybe so, they didn't know to do that. Well, maybe not. And I remember moving boxes and gambling money and, and arm wrestling for the money. But there was a lot of things to do to get money. I, ju- I, I just think it was maybe not for everybody. But generally, Shenmue 2 was very well received. And from a story perspective, obviously, we know it moved things on drastically from Shenmue 1. And everybody, again, was universally, I'd say, it's probably getting around a nine again, give or take oh. a few points either way. Um, yeah. But it was it was very well received. It just didn't have the marketing behind it. Um, some people would have dropped off, obviously, from Shenmue 1, who weren't quite into what, it, what Shenmue was about, fair enough. And it was on a dead console, and with all the greatest respect in the world, there was no marketing for it on Xbox. It was shit marketing. Um, it turned up in a shop one day from when I saw it on Xbox. I didn't really? even know it had been released. Picked it up because we had an Xbox, and that was it, really. And I only got it because it had the English voices on it. That was true. It. Me too. Well, yeah, I was probably getting into the collecting aspect then at the same time. <laughs> um, but you talk about the drop off actually of of people. Is that that's kind of like a factor in the future of the series in a sense, isn't it? Because with every iteration of a, a game where the story is continuing, it's the same. I'm sure it's the same with like Netflix shows and stuff to a certain yeah. degree, anyway. Where like the first season might have the most viewership, and then less people watch the second, and then even less because if it's like an ongoing story, I mean, that might not be the case with certain things. Like, I know Stranger Things has like had a massive boost mm. since the first season, and it's it's there in a, a format that's quite easy to catch up, whereas Shemu's in game format where someone thinks, you know, Shemu 1's like a 20-hour game they've got to get through to play the second game, to play the third game, to play the fourth game, etc. So the fourth game, kind of like a detriment to its own that it's a continuation, might see a drop-off from Shemu 3 even. I mean, hopefully not, but, you know, that's a concern. Yeah, and it's, it's something they've got to consider going forward, is how do you get people to play what will be a fourth entry or you know second entry third entry in in a game when you haven't played i mean played yakuza the did it by releasing the yakuza zero didn't they basically they they did that they did they did a, a kind of a fresh fan base and it, it that kind of like worked for them i mean yakuza zero is excellent absolutely yeah. again if you haven't played the yakuza series um i'd recommend zero because it is honestly such a good game thoroughly enjoyable game and i played the original yakuza back on ps2 so i've been been playing them for for a (laughs) long long time i only played them because someone said oh if you like shemu you like this yeah bugger it picked them up on ebay for a few quid and the rest is history but it is a valid point that how do you keep people engaged with the game that has several iterations now i do think had this gone through successfully on the dreamcast one two three four whatever mm-hmm. i don't think you'd have had as much of a drop-off because the dreamcast would have been successful the hype would have been around it and i think it would have and people stayed really quite steady it, yeah mm-hmm. they bought into it but unfortunately that wasn't the case and, and unfortunately like i said earlier on in the show the marketing for shemu one was out of this world the marketing for 
the anime was excellent as well, but the marketing generally for Shenmue otherwise hasn't been great. And I think that is a contributing factor to it. Shenmue 1 and 2 HD had better marketing, but it had its own issues, which we'll come on to in a bit. Well, we can go straight into it, Matt, because my next song is for the start of Shenmue 3. So <laughs> unless well, you've got a go. choice you want to pick, I'm happy to go for it. Fuck. What did I choose last time? I don't know this. Balls to it. I'll, just go, uh, I'll go straight into it. Fuck it. Okay. Right. So on that bombshell of poor marketing, we'll go straight into Shenmue 1 and 2 HD. Um, this is obviously off the back of off of the Shenmue 3 Kickstarter as well and Shenmue fans campaigning for Shenmue 3 and Shenmue HD and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So there was a preview kicking around. And well, we tweets. watched that press conference, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. And, that was and my then... first. Did we even know that was going to happen? Did we... I think we had a... Did we have like a, sp- a tweet from Sega that was like kind of obvious, but yes. still easy? There was a tweet called, Huge announcement for Sega Fez 2018. And they talk about, we've got a huge announcement. And someone says, is it Shenmue HD? And they go, it's huge. yeah okay oh mate fez we were on about this the other day like i'm gutted that this fez thing's kind of stopped i I assume because of covid because it was so exciting for a sega fan especially since the first one i think this was the first first fez event had chemi one and two at it (laughs) yeah it was mad and it was a massive announcement and i think the mega drive mini was at that one as well it was like Mm. a lot of really you could feel Sega trying again at the show. I, I got a lot of excitement from that that, that first Fez, Fez show and then, you know, the second Fez show. And I think they may have done three. I want to say three of them. Yeah. But maybe maybe two. I'm not 100%. 2018, 19, I think they did 20. Did they do a 20? Did they do it? It may have not have happened. It may have been. Not have happened. Just as COVID hit, but anyway, right. either way, I hope you come back. <laughs> we got we got that tweet, and it basically gave it away that Shenmue was coming back. Um, and we got some previews come out of it. Um, Polygon talked about it a little bit. Um, in April 2018, he said that the Sega calling the one or two re release the definitive version of the classic adventure uh, with modernized features like scalable screen resolutions, modern or classic control schemes, which weren't quite what we thought. You can use the analog stick, but Rio still remains his clunky Shenmue self. Tank style. I know yeah. that was one of the. If you go back to that, one of the first IGN articles, one of the the questions they asked him was like something about. Oh, I, I think he was saying what I think it was that BBS stuff when you were you were reading that bit about the BBS forums. Mm. Um, people, one of the complaints was people were saying like they'd like to use the thumbstick rather than the D pad to control Rio. So obviously that didn't happen back on the dreamcast days but you know fast forward to 2018 yeah <laughs> and you can finally use the the joystick if you want or the analog stick rather and you know what i when i play it i find i switch between the two oddly i don't i don't mm. know why it's just the way i play clearly but i, I, I think you've got that sort of like muscle memory from playing shenmue that you want to use the d-pad but then you've also got like the last two decades or whatever of gaming where you've, you've been forced to using analog sticks so yeah you, it's probably a bit of that and yeah I think, a bit of both yeah i don't mind it's fine i don't, I don't have a huge issue with it it's just something i just sort of realized 
Um, and then Polygon, again, June 2018, start talking about who's doing the ports. They give a bit of detail that the Shenmue 2 release is based on the Xbox version rather than the Dreamcast version because of technical reasons. And it offered um, more features for the graphics, improved anti-aliasing, some other bits and pieces as well, um, which I can understand. And it was probably easier for them to port Shenmue 2 because it was, I think, built slightly different. I think it's built in C, if I remember correctly, but Lemon will mm. be shouting at Lemon shouting at me going, it's something else, it's something else. <laughs> Never mind. I do remember a few few complaints about like the, the MIDI tracks or something like the, yeah. the music. And obviously they messed up the compression on the voices a little bit as well didn't they? there's that well, fan this, mod for the pc yeah. which is a shame and this sort of comes into some of the reviews actually that they say like i mean ezra in igm japan says it's it's a masterpiece it's not for everyone it's a shame because with a more solid port more tweaks here and there it could have been a package recommended to all now i want to go on record here um that i think d3t got a lot of shit that probably wasn't necessarily all their fault um I think they had to work to a very tight timeline to get this game out. We know for a fucking fact that they they had to translate a lot of the source documents from Japanese themselves. So it didn't look like they got a lot of help from Japan. And they had no real proper source code. Like, like I don't know, the, they didn't have access to all the archives from what I understand. So they had a really difficult time. And they were doing the cancelled remake. So how long did they have between the cancelled remake and starting up the project of getting this through as an HD sort of re-release job? Some decisions, though, were really weird. Let's, let's not beat around the bush here. The music, the way it was done, and the, and the voiceovers, straight Resolution. up, yeah, straight up should not have been, had to have had fan patches to fix. Let, let, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being an arsehole here, but it shouldn't have done. It should have been treated with the with the care that it needed. Maybe they what, there were decisions behind the scenes I don't know about, but I'm just going on what I think at this point. And I don't want to sound like I'm having a go at D3T because I think they did a pretty good job overall. And I do think it was rushed out. I do yeah. think it was rushed out because you look at the bugs thread we had on the dojo when it came out in August 2018. It was massive. And I just think with a little bit more care, it could have been, not the same necessarily defining moment in Shenmue history, but it could have been handled better, quite well, frankly. And I know they were, they were rushing because there was that day one patch as well, weren't there? Yeah, massive day it, one patch on it. They had the game maybe a day or two early from Shop 2 or something, and there was like weird camera glitches where a cutscene was playing out, but the camera was stuck somewhere else, so... You know the day one patch fixed all that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably destroy a relationship with Sega here, but Sega have had a history of doing this sort of thing, haven't they? With remasters and re-releases because of the third game, do you think? With well, they, they needed it to be a certain amount of time before the third game. I don't know. I don't know. I think the third game Kickstarter showed that there was a market for this, and they thought, right, we'll get some of it. I get it. I, from a business sense, it makes put a good, good call. But when you start thinking about other games that Sega have re-released, I'm thinking of Sonic Origins. That had a bunch of bugs that needed to be patched day one and is still being patched to this day. They, The ideas behind these sorts of things are fantastic. I just wish they were given a bit more time to, to cook. I really do. Because games like Shenmue, Sonic, they're defining. They deserve that care, in my opinion. And I don't think we quite got enough of it. But... On the flip side, the Shenmue 1 and 2 HD ports are perfectly playable on PlayStation, Xbox. 
the, the definitive experience is on PC with the fan patches, quite honestly with you. And the reviews pretty much line it up. In, in, in saying that, I mean, it's getting solid 7s and 8s out of 10s across the board. Someone gave it a 5.5 Destructoid, but I don't really care what they think because they talk out their ass. Yeah, um, I'm not fan, fan of them either. So otherwise, it's given the criticisms it's always had, but they all say the story is really, really good. And if you can go back for 1999, um, you can see where it's all come from. And I think, I know there is probably arguably better graphically, you know, games these days, but I still think it yeah. holds up well graphically. You know, when you, especially like you say, with the, the fan patches, the HD texture mods and stuff on PC, it looks gorgeous, I, I think. And maybe that's me with Mishemu roast tinted, goggle things or whatever but it's, I, I still think it looks amazing graphically considering it's well, what, what we are now like it's a 23 year old game basically it, it just that's crazy these people that are like well 23 you know in, in the world out there that have passed all the university exams and you know learned to drive and could be it could be in like a proper job they could be working on video games you know what i mean and and shenmue's graphically still holds up you know frankie you know people like that that are like 23 or (laughs) toddlers compared to us toddlers (laughs) compared to us but i think shenmue right i know in wider gaming it gets ragged on a little bit the reviews out there from previous stand up the test of time even the hd re-releases despite the problems it had reviewed quite well overall in gaming, Shenmue is held in like the actual industry by people who work in the industry, develop games, is held in a massively high regard. CD Projekt Red, I know people had issues with Cyberpunk when it came out, get it, understand it, but they revere Yu Suzuki and they credit him for being able to do the Witcher games the way they did them. Mm. And the Witcher games are massive. And they're a massive company, CD Projekt Red, and they are saying Shenmue inspired this game. That's as much of a compliment as you can get. And if you ever wanted a game that was a trailblazer, had to walk so others can run, Shenmue is it at the end of the day. And I don't think it gets the respect it deserves because I think people have had it memed out so much. No, I agree, Matt. And it's probably not just CG Project Red with those sort of no, opinions no, of as well. It's not. I'm sure there's a lot of... Well, the open world genre as a whole really is stemmed from Shenmue originally you know, to a certain degree, and they, they took inspiration from the stuff that Yu Suzuki was, was doing. Even, you know, like we mentioned Yakuza, how they got the arcade machines you can play Sega titles. That's obviously, you know, an, an idea that came from Yu Suzuki Shenmue. It's not something that they've, oh, you know, oh, it's a coincidence, isn't it? You can play Hang On in <laughs> Yakuza. So so these these games and companies, and I know that's a Sega property, so that's yeah, probably not, yeah. not too... To, to talk about kind of thing but there's definitely other companies that probably started creating games because they're they were so inspired by Shemu and you know these these fans out there Matt that taking the game development things aside these people that have moved and are living in Japan now because of Shemu yeah. yeah, they yeah. learned to speak Japanese fluently you know Ezra I believe yeah Shemu inspired his life yeah you know these these people like that that because of this game their lives completely changed and you know me and you to a certain extent as well matt i mean we yeah doing this podcast right now our lives have changed we you know we're sitting here 35 years old talking about a game from 23 years ago and you know just discussing stuff you know on a podcast it's 
does crazy things, doesn't it? Shenmue <laughs> does crazy, crazy things. But yeah, like back back when it came out, I don't. The hype was was so much around this game. It was very, very real. The hype. Some would say it didn't live up to the hype. I would argue it did in every way, shape, or form, and was a victim of circumstance as well. And a game that had to exist, so we have the games that we do today. And unfortunately, sometimes in in life, trailblazers are the ones that get left behind. Um, mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean they weren't good. And Shenmue, well, still is good. But bloody hell, back then it was another world good. Another level, yeah. So before we get into Shenmue 3 now, have a, another quick music break. So I've tried to pick like unusual tracks, if you hadn't noticed <laughs> throughout here. So this is a piece of unused music from Shenmue 3. It was found in the files and it's called RC Forklift Race slash RC Boat. So it was like mm. used two different mini games that I don't know didn't get included or perhaps they were in Baish or something. But yeah, enjoy. Welcome back. So that was an unused piece of music from Shemu 3 um, for the RC Fork race and the RC boat. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, Matt, Shemu 3 stuff, um, what are you got? Yeah, well, this is what I'm going to sort of say ahead of this is I won't go too much into the preview stuff because we covered a lot of it in previous episodes around the Kickstarter, the media madness and all the rest yeah. of it. So in terms of previews, they're all out there. Listen to the media madness episode. Most of it's in there. I will talk a little bit about the 2017 trailer, which got hammered for the Dead Eyes stuff and people acting like it was a final game. I'm sorry, you're stupid. It was never going to be a final game at that point. Everybody knew it, but the media just ran away with it. But I'll ignore that for the sake of going into the reviews. So Shenmue 3 reviews. (sighs) Mixed is the way it was received by the gaming media. Some people absolutely adored it. Other people absolutely hated it. 
is I the suppose you could starter. say that for the fans as well. <laughs> yeah, you could. I mean, I'm not going to get drawn into too much around the ins and outs of Shenmue 3 and the criticisms are not around it because we've done it to death. There's no point. Yep. Um, but I'll go through some of the reviews that are out there. I mean, IGN Japan gave it a 90 out of 100. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and he, it's like where I'm at kind of level yeah where he he said while the story's climax left us disappointed Shenmue 3 is a precious game nonetheless feeling the lingering presence of your deceased father in a country far from home sharing a roof with someone you love and overcoming the teachings of stubborn kung fu master are only a few examples of how this game portrays deep human relationships which has a very addictive gameplay loop that makes great use of the attention to detail the series is known for was that Ezra by the way that was Ezra he was yeah. a big Shenmue fan uh, Jewel Shockers said it is filled with antique design choices, but a whole lot of charm and ultimately is a promise fulfilled. Fans got a legitimate Shenmue title in every way possible, warts and all. Nobody else is making 2019 games um, in the hilariously named full reactivized entertainment genre, but Yu Suzuki is. That's a beautiful testament to the stubbornness that made this unlikely revival possible. So they're embracing it a little bit here. I think that's a good um, point, actually. It's not really that that typical open world style, is it? It is like the Yusuzuki's coined free genre. It is a, a Shenmue game at the end of the day. It's whilst you can compare certain aspects in Shenmue 3 that were like you can find in other open world games, but then again, Shenmue kind of made those open world things happen. So, <laughs> yeah, and this is the th- yeah, and it, it just. I don't know, Shenmue 3, you look at, like, you can still talk to every character and their tone changes on where you are in the story and things like that. It's not quite as in-depth as the first two games, but you go around some of the bigger open-world games, like an Assassin's Creed, for example, um, and I quite enjoy the Assassin's Creed series, um, mm-hmm. generally, and I don't know, the, the characters, the, the NPCs feel dead. Yeah. They recite the same the main shit. characters and the storyline and, you know, even the side quests, like... You just feel like you're just doing it for the sake of doing it rather than... Yeah, whereas I think Shenmue 3, even the, some of the side characters in there, they're iconic in some of the things they say, the things they do, the way they interact with Rio. Um, yeah, like every character is produced because they are a character. It's not like a yeah. copy and paste. No. You know, oh, this one's got like an afro, this guy's got like dreadlocks, you know, this guy's got... You know, it's it's not... They're not trying to just slap together as though it's a character creation system and people are doing random characters as like side characters these are and that you probably go back to yusuzuki's concept diagrams drawings he's probably got all these characters mapped out in these little his his, his files and books and, and whatnot that he's he's got in his archives i bet you'll find you know like say that old man that sits yeah, outside will. the little restaurant to home where the, what the wife's cooking sausages <laughs> whenever she's doing you know you'll probably find him in in there as a, a bit of a concept artwork so i think that's you know again testament that that is a shenmue trait through and through that each individual character has probably got a back history a name a date of birth the bloody blood type somewhere whereas other games these days are more copy and paste aren't they they are and i mean gaming and the open world genre i've talked about this a lot i think the open world genre doesn't need to get any bigger i think they need to expand the world inward and and go back to some of that shenmue-esque stuff of really giving us a world that you can feel lived in that you can absorb yourself in that you can forget everything in. And that's, I think, why Shenmue appealed to so many of us, because it was a world that did absorb you. 
and even Shenmue 3. I mean, you're talking about it here. I mean, where was it? WCCF Tech. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, says, is Shenmue 3 dated? Yes, absolutely. But the game proves that most genres, open world adventures still have a thing or two to learn from the past. Shenmue 3 isn't always as player friendly as it could be, but its lively, uniquely handcrafted world is truly absorbing. Here's hoping this isn't the end of Ryo and Yuzuzuki's epic journey. And that sums it up, really, doesn't it? That despite the criticism of Shenmue 3 and the story, and I'm going to have a look at some of the other mixed reviews very quickly. Like, Have you got any from like Metacritic? or? I, yeah, I've got a few dropping around from Metacritic. I mean, Easy Allies gave it a 7 out of 10. They said it's um, faithfully continues his journey, welcoming locations, absorbing plot, are held up by presentation issues, and the combat system just hasn't come together. Yeah, Shenmue 3 is a nostalgic return to a different time and a priceless reward for anybody invested in Landy's demise. <laughs> okay. I know, like, Huber, is, he's, he's spoken in the past, like, he was disappointed with the combat. That wasn't, like, the, the best feature for him, but, you know, the rest of the game was Shemu through and through. So, yeah, that, that, was that him rating that? I think it was, yeah. yeah. To sound like him. Edge Magazine gave it 6 out of 10, saying the overriding sensation is 18 years waiting later. This is not the game we had dreamed of. And despite the areas in which it clearly struggles, Shenmue 3 does ultimately leave us wanting to see how those plot developments are resolved and take our virtual tourism to a new frontier. Whether we and Hazuki will get that opportunity, we'll see. And I think that's probably a a fair point actually i mean we've i've said this several times publicly with shenmue 3 i think we can all agree the story wasn't done the way we'd like to have it to have been done we know the ending was changed and cut to get the game out so i don't know what that was originally entailed for but i think the biggest compliments i can give shenmue 3 is number one it's been successful in relaunching the franchise we've got an anime out of it um, and, the, and the bloody franchise is alive for the first time in, in 20 years. It is alive and kicking and people are aware of it again. And number mm-hmm. two, it felt like a Shenmue game. Despite yeah. its criticisms, if you play one, two and three back to back, I can assure you it, it's like a, it, it's like a hand fit in a glove. It really is. It fits perfectly. So I'm not glossing. I'm, well, I probably am a little bit. I'm glossing over some of the 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 criticisms around it because quite frankly i'm bored of talking about them yeah but you've also got people that have found the series through the third game i know yeah and um, there's a couple of articles in shemmy world two issue two actually like seamus Kelly. yeah we played the third game first and you know fell in love with the series um i think the, the, the article was by a guy called dan crowfer who you know they're, they're discovering the series in 2020s which you know is pretty insane really that you've got two now big Shemu fans that have only just joined the community. And that all stems really from curiosity surrounding, I assume like Shemu 3's Kickstarter was a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of that Holy Trinity of announcements and, you know, just word of mouth buzz and reactions, seeing people react to Shemu. And, you know, that, that again, that must've piqued curiosity. And I'm, I'm glad that people have given it, a chance at the time of day yeah absolutely you know at the moment we're we're full of games being released left right and center so to specifically pick a game like Shenmue might be quite a difficult decision depending (laughs) on if we've all got like a backlog of games to play and uh, I'm just appreciative of people that will 
give Shemu a chance, you know, especially in these days. And actually, I think the fan base generally take the gaming media out of it, who I think have come used to these the the standard modern conventions that gaming open world does these days, for better or worse. I do think as fans, I think as a fan base, as a community, I think we're always likely to be harsher on it than a mm-hmm. newbie coming in for the first time. I think of Pixel Cats and her streams back when she was streaming Shenmue. She did Shenmue 1 to 3 pretty much back to back, didn't she? Yeah. And I vaguely remember her streams. And while there were some issues that she had with Shenmue 3, she didn't see what the what the fuss was about. She was quite open in saying she quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, she's she's played through the first two games for the first time, and Shenmue Three probably feels like a more, much more modern Shenmue. That you know, coming off there, we we had that amount of time where playing those original two Shenmues to death. You know, the Shenmue Three. Yeah. It you know, although it is a continuation, it's not the continuation we were kind of expecting to a certain extent. Whereas someone's been given three games in front of them and played them back to back they haven't had that time to like that 15 year wait to think of all these different things and you know see how you know design how they want to shemu three in the heads before it's even a thing it is a thing so they just get stuck in and play it and you probably appreciate the experience a bit more like that uh, like you say that pixel cuts she um I think she she struggled a little bit with the controls at first in the first, mm. which mm. is understandable, I suppose, in twenty twenty two. So by the time she got to twenty uh, Shenmue three, I'm sure, you know, she was full on Shenmue gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching her streams, we she seemed to quite enjoy the games, and and it's definitely been converted to the series. And I think it can do. I do, I do think there is probably an element of people out there who if they just gave it a chance might be pleasantly surprised but in this day and age to give a game a chance as you've just alluded to is really difficult when you've got so much choice out there you're not you're not necessarily going to go for something you think oh i may not like that you're going to go for something you know and like because especially when as adults our gaming time is harder to get hold of these days so you do you take less risks then gaming takes less risks as well and it sort of feeds into this very much modernized thing that I don't know. I just wish games took a bit more risk. And actually, I think as gamers, we should take more risks and not listen to the stuff that comes out on YouTube and and reviews and go. Do you know what? Do I like the look of this game? Yes or no? Right, I'm going to buy it and see what I think. I know money's difficult, and we will have lives, and the cost of living crisis is is obviously a factor in that as well. So don't take me wrong that I'm not acknowledging that. But I do think back in the day when we were kids growing up and sort of in our early 20s, we used to look at a game and a box art and go, I like the look of that. I'm going to play it. Why the hell not? And But I don't think we do that anymore. And it's, no, it's well, a sad part of gaming. I think we lost that. Well, like we spoke about earlier, Matt, these people going to a 5,000 attendance show and they don't even know what the game is that they're about to see. That's like us walking into a store, looking at a box. That's like us picking up a Dreamcast magazine and just being a lord to Shemu from the graphics. You know, we don't have, have a clue what the game's about realistically or how it's going to play until you actually buy the game and you, you're playing it. I don't think there was, at least in the West, apart, you know, obviously they got what Shemu, they could sample yeah, the gameplay yeah, a little yeah. bit. But until we stuck that disc in that we just paid 40 quid for, You've got no idea there wasn't a demo for Shenmue. There was like video footage on demo discs, 
but this was the first time people were actually experiencing the game. So that is like, like say, a different era where people have like, I don't want to say the spoilt or um, I'm sure there's a better word for that these days, but you, you've literally seen half the game before you buy it these days, haven't you? Before you've made your mind up to buy yeah. it, you've, you've watched yeah. people streamers playing it, whereas back then you, you picked up a strategy guide, didn't you? Do you know what I mean? It's a game hard. and a strategy guide. Yeah, it's harder these days as well to avoid being spoilt with games um, because it's because social media is out there and all that access is out there as well. I think it's harder to have that experience that we had. And I, I crave it, actually. I, I miss things like going to a shop, looking at it, oh, I really like that and grab it. And even if we had these magazines reviews that you were, you were trusting, kind of like someone that, you know, you're you into your, your official Dreamcast magazine or your DC UKs, perhaps you trusted their their reviewing and say yeah. they gave, gave a game a 7 out of 10, maybe that would put you off. Whereas these days you've got so many people on Twitter saying like, oh, it's shit, this is shit, this looks shit. You know, you, you, you just in Twitch chat when there's like a Gamescom or, you know, a press conference and everyone's like, Zzz, you know, sleepy things and oh, where, where yeah. the actual, where the real games, you know. You, so there's all this kind of feeding off onto people and people are making their minds up based on this criticisms. Whereas like, like say we, we had that beauty where you'd go into a shop, pick up Pen Pen Triathlon that's, you know, arguably a bad game, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed and it's one of my favorite Dreamcast games. It's It takes that to... To be a fan of something, really, you, you need to like. It does. It does get over you, the line. You need. I think gamers, and, and we're going a bit off topic here, but I think gaming as a, as a whole, <laughs> as we do, as we do, gaming as a whole, I think. Probably, there's too much of people just going off of what other people are saying, right? And it's it's too much of this sort of group mentality around a seven out of 10 games rubbish, for example, and which is Shenmue three is a seven out of 10 game on average, pretty much. Mm, yeah. Right. So you've got Shenmue one was like a nine average Shenmue yeah. two, maybe like an 8.5. Yeah. Going off those scores. And then you come to Shenmue three, which is a seven. And actually I was, was it review bombed at the start as well? It got hammered, review bombed by uh, user reviews about Epic. So equally, it got yeah. review bombed at the other end as well. Exactly. So you know, it could it. be slightly higher in terms of like the people actually fucking played the game. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But, but... I mean, this happens in, in all things on Metacritic. I mean, Last of Us got battered on there for yeah. user reviews and and things like it, and people complaining about it. And it's with the best will in the world, right, with games, you're there to enjoy them. You don't have to like a game. You don't have to dislike a game. Just go and play games and bloody enjoy them and take a chance and take a chance on a game like Shenmue because these sorts of games are genre-defining. They stand the test of time. And quite honestly, there's nothing like them. And yeah. in a world today where so many games are so similar, go a bit left field because you won't be disappointed. And there's a reason why so many of us have Shenmue as like their all-time yeah. favorite game of all time you know it takes a, a game to be at the top of people's lists like that so there must be a reason behind that so Matt we've kind of come to an end here we're not going to touch into the anime no we'll leave that separately as a side point it's nice seeing people watching the anime who then pick the games up absolutely so that's 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 great and I, I suppose, in a sense, we've kind of come full circle to that RGT stuff, where it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're at a point now where we don't want an anime to finish off 
the Rio and Landy fight in an hour. I'd, no. I'll, I'll take a season two that covers Shemu three, Shemu four, Shemu five, or whatever you know in the next season three of an anime show. But we, you know, not just a bloody one hour OVA or something no. that just concludes the series and then oh, no, we've got I'd... closure. <laughs> that isn't no, what thanks. we want. No yeah. thanks. I take I take no Shemu four or no anime season two over that. Quite frankly, yeah. things to come in the future maybe. If you can get a Shemmy 4 season two, I, I, say, I say this every episode, man, like a broken record, but obviously we've got to keep campaigning and striving towards that yeah, goal. Absolutely have to. If we don't, you'll, you will just lose the advantage. Hashtag let's get Shemmy 4, fourth of every month. We'll be streaming as well, so no doubt pushing that hard. And also hashtag Shemmy Anime 2, which with the latest news at the top of this show um, has a really good chance of happening now. So let's mm-hmm. make sure it does. And don't settle for anything less, like a one-hour exactly. episode. Of... <laughs> okay, uh, guys, so we're going to close the show out now with a piece of music from Shemu 2. This is Unused 3. Like I say, I've tried to go for more obscure titles. Maybe you haven't heard this one. It might even be in Shemu 3. I can't quite remember without playing it again. I just picked it a couple of days ago. So that's what you're going to listen to right now. So thanks for joining us again. If you want to give us a follow, if this is the first time you're hearing the show, subscribe to your podcast catcher of choice, wherever you're listening to us right now, or if you're on YouTube, thank you. I don't know, give it a like or whatever and subscribe. And we'll be back again soon with something else soon. I would have thought that, right? Yeah, I've got my holiday to get out of the way first. Oh, yeah. We're editing this before you go on holiday. Yeah. And you'll probably be halfway up a roller coaster ride or something. At Disney damn, when yeah, this is right released. Be, so. yeah. <laughs> Hope you have a good time there, Mom. Well, you know what they'll do? They'll release Shenmue 4, won't they, while I'm out there? Yeah, you're going to have to live stream. On well, a, live, live stream while you're streaming. On a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, man. Awesome, guys. Take it easy, and we'll see you on the next one. See you later, guys.
Ah, oh, look at the time. 